If you have your Bibles, I want you to um, turn with me today to the book of Philippians. This is where we were last Sunday. Philippians, the fourth chapter. If you want to stand turning there, that's great. We'll honor the Word. If you don't, you're free to do as you please. But Philippians 4, I'm going to read one verse of Scripture. Verse number 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. Things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of a good report. I that, that is a full-time responsibility. And if you take the time to focus on those six things, think on those six things, nothing else in life will have room to crowd in and distract if you spend your time, as Paul said, thinking on these vital and important things. And last week we started this and entitled it, The Answer is at Your Disposal. The answer is at your disposal. Thank you. You may be seated. Thanks for standing. I'm not going to go back and recount all the things I talked about last Sunday. So we have uh, an advantage in that as, as you can go to the website if you'd like and you can go to the media side of the website and you can listen to the message from last Sunday. Barry put that up first part of the week. So if you want to hear last Sunday part one, then visit the website, go to the media link, and it's there. The answer is at your disposal. I'm not going to go back through uh, all the details of that, but I, I will say that we started talking about how the enemy gains his greatest advantages in our life when we give him place in our minds, when we give him the free reign to just put in there Anything that he would like, confusion, stress, fret, worry, on, on and on it goes, animosity, bitterness, all of this. If he has the opportunity, his battleground is in our thought life. And so he takes advantage there if he can. And if he can take advantage of your thinking, then he will, in effect, control and rule your life. And so we come to God with a lot of abstract type of thinking. It's, it's all of these things filling our minds and it's lines and it's marks and it's just uh, kind of disastrous. And as we come to God, we have this picture put before us that this is what and this is how and this is where God wants us to end up or to become that our life is not out of control and out of kelter and confusing, but He wants us to have definition. He doesn't want us to live in the abstract. He wants us to live in clarity. He wants us to live in a place where our lives and minds are not filled with all of these other things, but, but things that are specific. And so we talked about how do we get from the craziness to the understanding, from 
the confusion to the clarity. How do we make the shift? How do we, how do we get there? And, and we talked about the Bible saying we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not ignorant how he works. So we know he attacks our minds. And if I'm aware of that, then I have to counteract that. I have to somehow fill my mind with, with the things that glorify God and give no place to the devil so he can't control. And if he's not in control, God's in control, and I can move forward with a life of, of understanding and clarity. So this is where we stopped off last week and kind of uh, said we'll pick up this week. So here we are. I will only say all of this because I want you to understand that it is possible for every one of us to move from confusion to a place of divine desire. This is where God wants me to end up. This is His desire for my life. Now, if I get there or not has a whole lot to do with how I handle the answers that He puts in my life. If He gives me the tools, if He gives me what I need to get to His desired place for me, it's up to me to use those things. If I don't use those things, I'll never get... Well, if, if it's God's will, it'll happen. That's not the truth. If it's God's will, if God's will ever comes to pass in your life, it will come to pass because you take action with the answers that He's given you to get to the place that He wills for your life. He will never force you to that. He will never demand that of you. He will never drag you into it and say, look, look what I created for you. You're there whether you like it or not. He never has done that. He never will do that. He said, this is my desire for you. This is where you are. Here's some things that you need to get there, but it's up to you if you want to use those things or not. It's up to you. So how do I, and I want to, I want to jump right in here. How do, I, how do I do that? How do I put those things in place and get to that? Well, the very, everybody hold up one finger. The very first step, say it's the first step. And this is a step you can't skip. It's a step you can't avoid. It's a step that you can't ignore. It's a step that you can't run from. And it happens. The very first step is being obedient to Him. Nothing else will happen, work, or come together if you don't start obedient. Okay, God, whatever it is that you have for me and whatever it is you want for me, and what I'm obedient. Just tell me and I'm doing it. So that's step one. Well, step one leads you to step two. And step two is once you have committed to obedience... You step into a place of intentional living. Not accidental living. Not reactive living. Not, well, I'm just going to take it a day at a time, whatever happens. I, no, no. You, you did that in this confusing place. When you said, I'm going to be obedient to you, then the next step is in, I'm living my life intentionally. I'm, I'm making decisions on purpose. And intention takes you to the next step, which is a purposeful manner of living. You live on purpose. So you can't jump to, 
purposeful living without starting at obedience. You can't get to purposeful manner of living until you decide to live intentionally. So it starts with obedience to intentional living to purposeful manner of lifestyle. I'm doing this on purpose. I'm doing this intentionally. I'm doing this because I committed to obedience. You don't go from confusion and chaos to all of understanding and divine desire and place in His kingdom without going through those steps. It just doesn't happen. Here's here's what the Bible says, and and I want to encourage you with this, and, and I hope that this pushes you a little bit. It's not my word, it's His word. Proverbs 14, 33 through 35 says, Wisdom resteth in the heart of him that hath understanding. But that which is in the midst of fools is made known. Righteousness exalteth a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. The king's favor is toward a wise servant. But his wrath is against him that causeth Shame. Now, when you study the Proverbs, I'll, I'll give you a little Bible study tip. If you study, when you study the Proverbs, don't study just one verse at a time. Study them in pairs or in threes, if you will. When you study the Proverbs, you can't just pull them out one little thing and say, "Well, that one verse." It really comes in twos and threes. So, so you have to read two or three at a time to understand everything that that the writer is trying to communicate there. But tucked in here. He said this, he said, righteousness exalts. Sin brings shame and destruction. So righteousness is not all of a sudden you wake up one day and you've been praying, oh God, I just want to be righteous. I just want to be righteous. I just want to be righteous. And you've been in all this confusion and you're just interceding, interceding and praying day after day. And then you wake up one day and it's like, wow, I'm righteous. That's not how it happens. Okay? Righteousness is right standing with God. Okay? If you want to be in right standing with God, this is how you get to righteousness. Obedience. Not, God make me righteous, God make me righteous, God make me righteous. No, God said, okay, okay, here's the way it happens. Obey. Be intentional. Start living on purpose. And you, you get from where you were to a place where you're right in right standing with Him. And this is what it says about righteousness. He exalts... He exalts. So you, you don't take steps of obedience and intention and purpose and go down or go backwards or not improve or not have favor. You take those steps and He exalts. He lifts. He moves you to a new place. He brings you to a new level. And you end up looking back saying, wow, I don't even know how I got to where I am right now. All I did was say yes to Him. All I did was say, I'm going to live the way I want. And, and here I am. Look how far the Lord has brought me. But the opposite of that is sin 
where we say, I'm not obeying you. I'm doing what I want to do. I don't care what your word said. I don't care what the preacher said. I don't care what the principles of your word are. I'm going to do this. makes me feel better. I'm going to do this because I love this. I'm going to do this because this is pleasing to me. I enjoy that. I don't care. That, that's antiquated. That's Old Testament. That's years ago. That doesn't apply to me. I'm going to do. And he said, fine. Fine. You don't have to be obedient. Do whatever you want to do. But you don't move into clarity. You don't move into purpose. You don't move into divine desire for your existence. When you say, I'm going to do my own thing, he says, okay, sin is a reproach. Sin is a shame. You don't, you, things don't get better. Things get worse. So disobedience and sin brings you down. It never elevates you. So life gets more confusing, more overwhelming, more stressful. Every day, tormented. Addictions don't just stay at the same level. They keep increasing, if you will. It gets harder and harder. And what one time you were able, well, it's just a little bit of this. Before long, it's not just a little bit of this. It's a whole lot of that. And you're like, how did I get to this? This little thing became a gateway into something that was so much more devastating and destructive in your life because sin brings reproach. Sin brings you down. It doesn't bring you up never improves the situation. So righteousness and sin have very different outcomes. Very different outcomes in, in all of our lives as individuals, but not just as individuals, as a nation. Okay, We can't point to Washington, D.C. and say, they're going to legislate it all, and they're going to decide it all, and they're going to fix it all, and they're going to put things in place, and they're going to put laws there, and everything's going to get better. Hogwash. I mean, maybe you have to be raised in the South to know what hogwash is, but hogwash, <laughs> hogwash. There's a friend, uh, an elder that was in my life years ago. He's already passed on. He's, he went to his reward many years ago. But they, and he was Louisiana. My dad's from Louisiana. You, if you're not from there, you say Louisiana. But if you're from there or you have family from there, you say Louisiana. My, my dad says Louisiana. So, I mean, it keeps going. It depends on what parish you're from and how long you've been there and how, how deep the roots are. So it could be Louisiana, Louisiana, Louisiana. You can tell real quick where people are from by how they say it. So my dad was from there, so I could recognize some of the uh, vernacular. <laughs> so this elder minister, he's from Louisiana. <laughs> and he was invited to preach in the Philippines. <laughs> and so... They invited him. He goes to preach in the Philippines, and he's preaching through an interpreter. And, you know, he's just cornbread and down home, and, and he's preaching along in this crusade, and the interpreter's trying to keep up with him and all of his verbiage and things he's saying. And he said, that's a bunch of hogwash in the Philippines, okay? So the interpreter didn't even know what he was saying. <laughs> And the interpreter's trying to figure out, how do I interpret hogwash? I don't even know what hogwash is, and, and keep it real. And so the interpreter interpreted, that's a bunch of fresh-washed pigs. <laughs> so, so <laughs> it's not, I want to tell you, 
If you're not from the South, hogwash is not fresh washed pigs. <laughs> so, it, it's not. It's not. You can't wait on governmental powers to dictate or legislate righteousness. If righteousness happens in this nation, it happens on an individual basis. And individually, we commit to things and to God brings a blessing not only on the individual, but on the collection. And the nation is exalted as people began to live in a righteous way. When their minds and lives and actions go the other way, the nation doesn't increase in righteousness or be exalted, but it's brought down. It's a reproach. And so the Scripture is extremely clear on all of this. And, and, and I want to say it before I move on. It is personally achieved. It's personally achieved. I can't stand in the pulpit and pastor a couple different locations and say, everybody do this and expect that to happen. And together, we all do it. If it happens, it happens because when you walk out those doors, you make your mind up. I want to get to God's desire in my life. And it starts right here. And it doesn't matter to me what anybody else does. I know if I take those steps, God will elevate. God will exalt. God will empower. God will help. I want my family to be blessed because I made my mind up to be righteous before God and He elevates and doesn't tear things down. Amen. Now, I want to move quickly here. Uh, God gives us the ability and the freedom to decide what we're going to do. The, 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 the answer is at our individual uh, disposal. So long, long gone are the days of God or someone doing that for you. You have to do it for you. Nobody else. Don't expect that to happen. Everybody, everybody just shout it. It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's not mine. It's yours. You either have an exalted life or you have a reproach of a life. There's no middle ground. You're either, your life is either out of control, chaotic, or it's purposeful, and it's intentional, and it's being directed by God. The Bible doesn't say an evil man or a bad man or a ridiculous man or a reproachful man steps are ordered by the Lord. Does it say that? It says that a good man's steps are ordered by by the Lord. If you want the Lord to order your steps, then you have to decide, I'm not going to live that way any longer. I'm going to live the way God wants me to live, and I'm going to do this on purpose. It's at my disposal. Now, let me, let me read. Uh, I don't even know where to begin in some of this stuff, but so let me just jump in here. Second, Second Corinthians 10 says this, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the... Meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence I'm based with you, but being absent, I'm bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I'm present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, 
He said, I'm in flesh, I'm human, I'm in, I, I'm, though I walk in the flesh, I don't war after the flesh. I'm walking in it, but there's something bigger going on here. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity, everybody say captivity, every thought, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That obedience. You know, people say, well, you're just making that up. You're making religion hard. That's why people don't like church. Read the Bible. Or, or go play golf or tiddlywinks or whatever you do. Jacks, I don't know. Go play a video game. But the bottom line is this book is, is about obedience. Everything in this book hinges on obedience. Everything hinges on obedience. It starts right here. Well, I'm just like, well, that you, none of this will work for you then. So live it up and enjoy everything you can now because you'll have hell to pay in the future. But this whole thing is about obedience. What did he say? You know, if there's some way you could let this pass from me, I would be so glad about that. Is there some way we could go about this another way? Because this is really heavy and this hurts. and I, But nevertheless, he said that. Jesus Christ, our Savior, our example in all things. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. What was he saying? Not, not, not what I think should happen. I will submit to obedience. And obedience for him meant the cross. So he said, drink the cup, head that way, take the beating, crown, all of those things. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And the only way thy will could be done is if he obediently carried the weight of the cross and went to a place called Calvary. And so this whole thing is about obedience. And, and, and the Scripture said we cast down imagination, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So the Bible's, and I hope you're getting this, saying bring every thought that you have captive. Get every bit of it and bring it in. Harness this. Hold this in. Bring, don't let your thoughts and minds wonder. Because the enemy has a playground there. The enemy gets an advantage. We read it last week. We, we're not ignorant. We're not ignorant of his devices. We know how he gets an advantage. He gets an advantage when your mind is not filled with the right things. When it's just wondering and, and there's emptiness there. He plants what he wants there. The Bible said bring every thought in. Bring it all captive. Get a hold of it. Don't leave anything out there. And submit it all to Christ. Submit it all to the obedience of Christ. Don't let your minds just wander aimlessly. And it goes on. This is, this is I, I guess this is where I wanted to get last week and didn't get there. If you want a principle 
for living a joyful Christian life. You see some people are like, man, how do they have so much joy? Or what's the deal about their Christianity that seems to be different from mine? And, and you know, where am I missing out? Or am I crazy? Or are they crazy? Or are we both crazy? Or what, what's going on here? Where, where's this joy and this smile and this laughter? They're, they're crying on one side of their face and laughing on the other side. And some people come to Pentecostal churches like us and they see people jumping and they see other people sitting and they see some people crying and they see some people laughing and they see some people with their hands clasped together and they see some people doing all of this They're like man where are all these crazy folks come from we all respond different differently in the presence of God we're all different and how we how we respond to him some people are broken in his presence others are like yes I'm glad I'm not in jail I'm tired of ramen noodles thank God I'm gonna run and shout and scream we're like why are they acting so crazy because you don't know where they came from You don't know how lonely and depressed and beat up they were. (laughs) They're going to show things differently. But people are saying, what's all this joy? You're crying and laughing at the same time. People are looking at this. God has given us a plan. God has given us a process to live in joy. Let me read this. The first uh, verse of that uh, original chapter that we were in, in uh, Philippians 4. Philippians 4, and, and you can turn there if you want to. He said this, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. He's telling them, be encouraged. You're, I celebrate what's happened in your life, and, and man, you're the reward of all of this effort. And he goes on, he, he addresses certain people at that time. He talks about how they were... Uh, fellow servants with him and yoked up together and men and women laboring in the gospel and he goes through all of these things they're fellow laborers and they're they're important to me and and their names are in the book of life and he's he's building all of this stuff and and he said rejoice (laughs) what? you don't know what I'm going through yeah but this is the final chapter of this letter and this is the end of what I'm writing to you and I didn't ask you how you're feeling or how you're doing or what's going on in your life or all your bills are paid or all your family supporting you and everybody's on your side giving you fist bumps and high fives and smiley faces and stars and, and all of the things that you want here. He, he didn't say if everything's going great for you rejoice he, he just said you're the reward God's brought you a long way no matter where you are rejoice and again I say rejoice. Well, you don't know what I've been through, and you don't know what the doctor said, and you don't know what my finances, you don't know my bills, and you don't know what I'm going through. Well, apparently you don't know my God. Because the happenings of life don't put him on an emotional roller coaster where he's up, well, it's going to work out for my church. No, it's not going to work out for my church. Oh, yes, it's going to be great. I'm going to have a bride. It's going to work out. Oh, it's not going to work out because I... God doesn't live in that fickle, confusing, abstract, not sure what's going to go on place. He lives in, it's already settled. It's already done. It's already complete. You just have to walk from here to there, and He will allow this great plan, divine desire, to happen on your behalf. So rejoice no matter where you are. Rejoice whatever's going through. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Moderation. The Lord is at hand. Why do we live the way we live? Listen, man, I could just preach all day it seems like. 
Well, why do we do that? Why do we live that way? Why, what does it matter? The Bible says, live in and with moderation because the, not because the Bible says so. The preacher says so. The denomination requires it. If you ever say that again, please don't say that in front of me. Because I may look at you like a calf looking at a new gate. No emotion, just stare right through you. Because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you are absolutely out of your mind. But I don't want to offend you. Why is the pastor responding? Because I'm looking right through you, thinking, God, help me right now. Why do we do what we do? Because the Lord is at hand. Because if I'm at church on Sunday or work on Tuesday, the Lord is at hand. He's not just there, but He's coming back at any moment. I don't need a preacher looking down my laundry list to say, you better not do that. You better. If you're living that way, you're not living the way God. I'm not, I'm not the long arm of the law. I'm just the delivery man. I didn't create it. I didn't institute it. And I'm not going to enforce it. He will. Why do I do what I do? The Lord is at hand. Well, there's a, there's a bunch of people around watching me. So-and-so saw me at the grocery store. Who cares? Why do you fear what man can do to you, the Bible says? Fear the one that can put you in eternity with no... That's what the Bible said. We live in such a way. The Bible said, let your moderation be known. Let, live in moderation because the Lord is at hand. When you get up, when you go through your life, when you're making a business deal, when you're choosing whatever it is, you're, the Lord is at hand. He's there watching, taking record, taking an account of your life. The Lord is at hand. Oh... My, my, my. He said, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, finally, brethren. And this is where we're getting to that verse where I'm trying to bring you into the context of what he was saying when he said, think on these things. Think on. He said, if you're going to rejoice, if you're going to live in moderation, if you're going to be a fellow and co-worker in labor, if you're going to go through whatever you got to go through, if you're going to make it in the end. I'm telling you how to do it. He said, finally, brother, just make sure your mind stays in the right place. Make sure you've got the right headspace where it should be. Don't let the enemy run rampant in your life. Think on purity. Think on honesty. Think on truth. Think on things of good report. Think on things that are right. Not all of that other stuff because when you give yourself to all of those other things, you are drugged down. You don't get up every day saying, this is the greatest day ever. I just lost my business yesterday. The only way you keep going forward is you keep your mind filled with the things of God. You do that. And that exalts your life. That, that shifts everything for you. I want to challenge you. Start living deliberately. De deliberate thinking. God help me to deliberately think clearly. 
deliberately every moment of every day refuse to let anything else invade that space that belongs to God, that belongs to His purpose and His plan for my life. And when you get to that place and this place of thinking differently and it becomes a priority in your life, you will immediately note the growth that will come in your life of being closer to Him and having a deeper walk with Him. People say, I want a closer walk. I want a deeper walk. I'm going to tell you how to do it. Fill your mind with these six things and you will quickly see the result of how you've been drawn closer to Him and how He has taken charge and elevated your life and begun to move on your behalf. Now, I want to close right here and I'm going to read a few more verses found two chapters earlier in the second chapter. Don't miss this point. Okay, it's, it's a mind thing. It's all about our mind. If therefore, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Why is the church like that? It, that's His plan. Well, I wish the church, well, everybody ought to be able, you, you're able to do whatever you want to, but if you're going to be a part of the benefit that this provides, there's one mind. It's like-mindedness. It's, I just don't relate to anybody in the church. Then you're not in the church. Quit blaming it on them and look in the mirror. I just don't relate to anybody in the church. Well, that's your problem. You have to discipline your life. Not, I force God to do what I think is best. He's like, <laughs> it's not going to happen. He said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem the other better than himself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being fashion in the, found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient. He didn't become resistant, headstrong. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted. You see where it's happening? You see how it ties together? Obedience leads to exaltation. He died. He laid it down. He submitted. He wasn't forced there. No man takes my life. I lay it down. He did it out of obedience. And the Bible said God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and the things and uh, come on every knee should bow. Things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Obedience always leads you to a place where God rewards your life. It doesn't matter how great of a sacrifice it is. Disobedience always puts you on 
the outs, no matter what you're going through. The people that inspire me and encourage me and impress me the most that I've observed through ministry and had the privilege to pastor over years, 20 plus years, are people that take difficult circumstances in their life. No matter if it's family or finances or physical condition or whatever it may be, they take those things and they submit every, they just submit it all to Him and say, God, I don't know how I'm getting through it. I don't know how to handle it. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how, but I know one thing. I'm not letting this destroy my mind that's in unity with you. Some people literally let their mind hook up with a doctor's report when the report of the Lord was something completely different. But their mind only entertains what a practicing human being said, not what a divine God created. A practicing individual that cannot heal you, cannot fix you, can only say, we'll try this, see what works. It worked for other people, but it doesn't work for everybody, but we'll see where you fall in that average. But we say, God Almighty, yes, I hold on to that. It's 11 o'clock, i got to take it right now. And this one over here is saying, I can do it right now. Not six months from now. Not 10 years from now. Not 12 steps from now. Not, through, not right now. I can literally change the whole thing. And instead of putting our confidence here and let our mind be bathed in His Word and His promises, we let our mind be bathed in our family's mad and somebody talked about me and, and my finances. They're just saying that bill's doing. God's like, hey, do you remember you've been giving and I've got a blessing waiting on you if you'll just trust me that I can turn this thing around? I can literally open the windows of heaven and pour you out more than you can even handle. It'll overrun in your life and you'll be walking around with barrels full and it's just running everywhere. It's like, I don't know how it happened, but isn't this awesome? God, help us to let our minds stay on these things. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, think on these things. Let's stand together. The answer is at your disposal.